Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the MTG Conflicts Cast. My name is Steven and I'm joined by my co-hosts John. Hey. And Chris. Hey. And in today's episode, we'll be taking a quick look at GP Brussels and GP Orlando, but mostly focusing on John's deck choice moving forward in this PPTQ season. But first, let's kick things off with our weekly roundup where we talk about what decks we piloted and what decks we played against this past week. Chris, let's start with you. Well, um, since I have won a PBTQ, I have decided to branch out and play a little bit um, less try-hard decks, shall we call them. And so my spicy pile of the week was a Glittering Wish control deck. Um, Please explain. So it's basically a blue-white control deck that splashes green for Glittering Wish. So this is not the first time I played this Wish Control deck, um, but it's changed a little bit since the last time. Um, The big uh, add is Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, which is multicolored, so you can wish for it. Look at that. Um, when I had first played the deck, I really wished that I uh, <laughs> had a good multicolored Planeswalker that I could fetch for, and now I do. Uh, but you may think that this is too clunky and terrible, and you might be right, but I would say that uh, I have I did Glittering Wish for Teferi twice, and it was insanely good. So take that. This deck looks like Just Guy with the Burn taken out. That's, I was just shoved in. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> like uh, another small tweak that, uh, in hindsight, is probably very wrong. Um, <laughs> I decided to shove some secure tribe elders in my deck uh, because of that one silly oh, band control list yes. that we saw a while back. That it's John was talking about with like time warps and all that garbage. And the secret tribes guy were talking about it and like, oh, it you know, it chumps early, saves some life, and ramps you into your late game a little bit earlier. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like everything I want to be doing. And I cut the threat spreading seas to play this card instead. And <laughs> I think spreading seas is actually just a lot better. Yeah. With the way yeah. the meta is these days, I can see that. People are really greedy on their mana. Yeah, I got absolutely ranched by Burn. Um, if I had turned like his one mountain into an island, I probably wouldn't have died. <laughs> and uh, blocking two damage was not really the difference between me uh, winning and losing that one. <clears throat> but uh, to be fair, I think the Burn matchup is abysmal anyway because of the nature of the deck playing um, Glittering Wishes, which are kind of dirtily. It's actually... Uh, I want to I break up here real quick because I was having a conversation with someone else today. I think it was actually Zach on our, our chat. And he was asking about playing a Esper deck. And the, the big reason that these three-color control decks that are not just Guy are not very good is because they don't get to play Lightning Helix. So they take too much damage from their mana base. They don't have Helix to instantly gain it back. And they're just behind on life against the aggro decks. I mean, I do have a little Blessed Alliance snuck in there. But yeah, it was not was not enough didn't actually draw it but um this deck is insanely well positioned against other blue white decks <laughs> yeah i believe that <laughs> uh because i have five planeswalkers in the main deck uh two gideon of the trials one gideon ally of zendikar one jace the mind sculptor and one teferi hero of Dominominominaria, including the one in the board that you can go ahead and wish for with if the time is right is Steve just, like, berserk against other control decks? Oh, it's quite good. Yeah, I mean, you're just, like, putting yourself further ahead, like, 
Oh, you're gonna try to counter my spells. I have I have way more resources than you do. Well, and if you just want to like attack with it, like what are they gonna do? Like bolt it? <laughs> like <laughs> that came up. So I had my Sakura type elders terminist. <laughs> oh man. They never really made it to the bottom of my library, though. Uh, <laughs> that I mean, I guess Terminus is a relatively dead card in the matchup anyway, but... Yeah, That's I mean... That's pretty funny. The 1-1 one, one beats are not irrelevant all the time. Yeah, a slower matchup seems good. It's and it's, like, really gross, because if you play this, like, turn two on the play, right? Against blue-white. And like, oh, finally, I have a chance to play my search who search first Kanta, and you're like, lol, end of your turn, sack it, untap, Jace? Yeah. All of a sudden, they're not so happy about their turn two search. Yeah. Yeah, their, their follow-up play on turn three is quite poor by comparison. Yeah. We had a, I had a game of dueling Jaces. Um... It was very strange. I wasn't exactly sure what I should have been doing with my Jace, but fate sealing him felt terrible because of um, the brainstorm possibilities, and so I just decided to brainstorm myself all the time. But uh, turns out you are really well positioned in these blue white mirrors because you've all the Gideons in your deck, so you actually have more creature pressure. You get to pressure their walkers a lot more than they get to pressure yours. Mm. And so, if you have Gideons in play, they have to kind of spend resources into keeping their Planeswalkers alive, which means you get to just resolve your own Planeswalkers after combat anyway. So... Yeah. And then the Wraths don't actually hit the Gideons and stuff like that. You gotta watch out for instant speed Terminus, though. If you get uh, Frisky. Yeah, I, I did get a Gideon Terminus, and it felt pretty bad. <laughs> Ouch. Um, but luckily for me, I had both Gideons in play at the same time, so I only lost one of them. Yeah, getting allies into Car is pretty berserk in the control and mid-range matchups. That's why I yeah, was playing it in my Just Guy sideboard. It's it's insane. You just make two twos every turn, and they they can't keep up. So, Even if they board wipe it, it's just makes more two twos. I see you're keeping up with the uh, the modern control trend of playing five mana angels in your sideboard of your control deck. Uh, this is not the bog standard Baneslayer Angel, uh, however. <laughs> no, uh, this is because you cannot wish for a Baneslayer Angel. An angel you can wish for, however, is Sigarda, Host of Herons. <laughs> this card. Not the same matchups. Sweet. No, no, very much not the <laughs> same matchups. But for the, the matchups where you wanted some lifelink, you got a, you got a Rock Swarmonk hanging out over there. Oh, yeah. Why? Which you can, you can play on turn five, the same as you could play an angel. That does not tango very well with a uh, a uh, Hollow One or a Gurmog Angler, however. This is true, but in that case, you're probably just wishing for a Supreme Verdict. Yeah. Or a Dragonlord Dromoka, one mana more. Can't Ooh, be gathered. Yeah, or a Dromoka. That yeah. Dromoka, though. Uh, the thing is, like, in the control matchups, you en there aren't that many spells that matter. So being a little bit lighter on counter magic is not really the worst thing in the world, but you're so much heavier on threats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because every wish is a threat. Every planeswalker is a threat. And so, uh, even, yeah. I mean, on the off chance they sneak in something against you, you can just wish for a detention sphere and just exile their planeswalker. I was just, just going to say you're actually much denser on answers for planeswalkers than most control decks are because you've got the four wishes in the one sphere main and the one on the side, so you actually have six potential answers to resolve walker 
Yeah, I mean, you can even wish for Teferi and then tuck their walker. I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of ways to deal with yeah. your enemy's walkers. Man, too bad Pernicious Deed isn't available. <laughs> oh, God, don't say that. That's <laughs> gross. You want peak gen, that's how you get peak gen. Let's do it. My mm. Maelstrom Pulse just sits on the board. It just stays there. <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty slow for modern, though. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. it grows your goy if it's an enchantment. <laughs> it goes. It goes plus one after after he hits the graveyard. Uh, so I I have a pretty extensive wishboard chip, but I do have a couple real sideboard cards snuck in there. Uh, Engineer <laughs> explosives, uh, dispel, purge, negate, two rested pieces, and yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that's all you need. I like how you managed to get two dragon lords into your sideboard. <laughs> oh yeah, Ojatai and Dramoka. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Both. Most of the time, you just wish for you're either wishing for a, a sweeper or an answer, or you're wishing for a, a thing to end the game with. Um, both those dragons are pretty insane in the uh, control mirrors. Yeah, I mean, Dromoka gets pathed, but um, you know, can't be countered. So it's, it's you know, it's 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 okay. It's not an end all be all, but it's it's definitely strong. You want to tell me about this uh, this tech? These two tectonic edges. Ah uh, yes, the tech, the tech edge tech. <laughs> the tech edge tech um, is actually a substitution because I couldn't get my hands on two field of runes in time. Uh, so, I was just gonna say, why is you why why aren't you just playing field of rune? It's so much better. <laughs> so I played tech edges, and uh, it arguably would have was actually better against blue white because I got to tech edge their colonnade without them getting a, a basic, and they play more basics than I do. Sure. <laughs> situation so, huh? do they Take aren't that. they paying like oh yeah they're on like seven or eight huh you have six yeah. I only six have is six. a lot i'm playing steve <laughs> you have a lot more than just guy which runs like what four maybe? five at some point steve is just dead steve is just a one one attacker That's which pretty good. honestly is good enough sometimes good enough <laughs> I'm gonna hit you for six turns with this one one. Oh, you're finally gonna answer it. Great. Like, what are they gonna do? Block it with a click? <laughs> Block it with a snapcaster? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty obnoxious actually. And it keeps like the Teferi in check, right? So like they can't actually build up an ult because of a stupid tribe elder. <laughs> Gotta <to> minus it. <laughs> and then like what are they gonna do? Path it? Like <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like super annoying to actually have to answer with a real card. <laughs> super yeah. annoying. So I played against Blue White twice at FNM, and in round four, our game one went like 40, 45 minutes, and the opponent just did not want to play game two. <laughs> wow. I actually drew against Blue White at this uh, on the mirror match at this same event. <laughs> It's pretty, and pretty tilting. I guess to put more perspective into how, uh, quote, well-positioned I am against blue-white at Texas, I mulled a five that game. Excellent. And I killed him with many more cards in hand. Than it's like you said, there's not many cards that matter in the matchup, and you have more of them. So hit your land yeah, drops, I, play at the top of your deck, you'll have more gas than they will. It only takes a couple of scant activations to, to kind of put it away. Yeah, the card's insane. But anyway... Uh, what did you play, Steven? So, I got the chance. So, last week I said I was going to play with either Lightning Bolt or um, uh, Academy Runes. 
and I decided to go with Lightning Bolt. I sleeved up some Jund, and oh man, am I super salty about my. So so it's uh so it's it was three rounds. It's a modern Monday modern three rounds. Um, I won my first one. Uh, pre pretty easy peasy. Um, just ju- did Jund things. Uh, round two, I played against Storm, and. I don't know. We went to game three. I didn't see enough hand disruption. Like, whatever. That is that is just a given. You're going to lose if you don't have enough hand disruption against them. And then last round, I played against humans. So, to my understanding, I feel like this matchup is, like, decent. It's, like, not amazing, not fantastic, but it's not, like, heavily favored on their side. But, you know, you, you have enough things to trade pretty easily, which was the case for uh, game one. Uh, you know, and then he, he swarmed and I didn't have a way to answer it. So he beat me in game two. Uh, I one for one consistently, I two for one every once in a while. And I just got value, resolved some goys and tech. So that was great. And then game three, I have a hand that has, um, I have a hand that has damnation, maelstrom pulse, Kologon's command terminate. Um, and in some way, shape, or form, so he took one with he took one of those cards with a free booter, knowing that he I would just get it back anyways. And then he goes to like turn he goes turn three bugler, reveal free booter. And at that point, I had maelstrom pulse and damnation left in my hand. Um, and I was like, oh great, like, like either either I lose to him like going land, free booter, free booter, making it three fruit free booters for the game. Or three booter, I, oh, three three booter. or I win where he goes free booter kill like kill something and then I go like maelstrom pulse the free booter get the get the damnation back and cast it. My opponent went land free booter land or land free booter land or not second land but played another free booter and I was just. I was very tilted at that point, so I just said, "All right, good game, bye." Boots on the ground, boys. Very... He, said he pulled that game up with I his uh, bootstraps. Yep, <laughs> yep. The good old gold booty boys just did did the trick. The booty boys. The booty and boys. Wouldn't it have been much more tilting if he played like freebooter and then Athalia, and you never drew a fifth land to cast a damnation? Yeah. That would have been tilting, but I already had I already had enough man, uh, enough mana to cast through Thalia anyways. That's how I lose against humans personally. <laughs> yeah, he only he only saw Thalia once, which was like very uh, satisfying. The uh, <laughs> wait till turn five to cast your board wipe and miss your fifth land drop or draw a colonnade is uh, a common play pattern. It sucks. Uh, or but just yeah, like plays was... meddling mages instead. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things that get you there. Right? Other freebooters, yeah. meddling yeah, yeah, mages, yeah. I, I suppose, fantastical I suppose... images. I suppose he did have a bunch of outs. I now that now that we're reviewing the plays, yeah, it's uh, it was quite a few cards that he could have drawn, but I mean, it's still pretty obnoxious. But it's, it was so <laughs> it was it was it's more obnoxious because I lost to something that I saw that I saw could happen, and it happened. Um, like this is my worst nightmare realized. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, that was that was fine. Otherwise, I feel like. I really like playing Jund. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a quite different play style from what I usually go for, which these days is either super aggro affinity or super combo amulet. Um, so Jund is a good 
uh, change of pace, and I, I really enjoy playing that deck. Hey, Steven. What? Did you know I own all of Jund and I've never slept it out? That is disgusting. Why <laughs> haven't you ever... Not once? No. Well, it's actually, it's John not likes true. to win. I sleeved up. <laughs> I sleeved up <laughs> Jun once before I had like any of the mana base, and uh-huh. I, I think I, I think I took it to an event. I think I actually took it to an event. I can't remember if I if I bailed out when I realized it was terrible, or if I actually got far enough to take it to the event and got crushed. I forget. But yeah, I mean, Jun's great as long as you can meta call, right? Like as long as you can fine tune the deck to like beat everything in the meta. Sure, great. But in like a, a meta like what modern is right now, you'd either have to be like an expert Jun player who's been playing the deck for you know five plus years to really navigate with generic hate cards, or um, you just or have to like, know, know like the opponent, meta. Be like my opponent from the PPTQ that just drew runner runner blood braids. You know, blood braid every turn of the game, easy peasy, pumpkin squeezy. Yeah, if you go, yeah, if you just curve out like turn one, Thoughtseize, turn two. Uh, Bob turn three, Lily turn four, Bloodbraid turn five, Bloodbraid. Yeah, you're you're just gonna win. So I think this is gonna tilt Steven. So I had a Jund opponent uh, at the PPTQ. Obviously, mm-hmm. we shuffle up for game one, um, and he cuts my deck. Then he, I think, no, he grabs my deck, shuffles it, cuts it, then stops, and then goes through my deck face down and pulls out seven cards at random and puts them on top of my deck. <laughs> Tell me that was the best seven of your life. <laughs> oh no, it was it was fine. It was normal. It was average. You know, okay. I've done that to uh my friend Kevin a couple times. Every time the hand was unbelievably fucking terrible. <laughs> like here's seven cards, no lands. Here's six cards, no lands. Here's five cards, no lands. Here's four cards, no lands. And he's like Stop! <laughs> So the funny thing is, I think it tilted the people sitting around me, and it didn't really bother me. <laughs> and they were like, afterwards, they're like, "Didn't that tilt you?" And I was like, "No, it's like, if anything, just kind of irritated that he was wasting time." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think in a tournament setting, that would been that would have been my mindset. But if I was spectating, or if that happened to be like F and M, like yeah, tilt tilt beyond belief. And so, like the guy, the guy next to me just like says it with him sitting there, and he's like, "Isn't that like not allowed? Like, isn't that a judge call?" And I was like, I was like, whatever. I told my opponent, um, it's fine this time, but please don't do it again, or it'll be a judge call. <laughs> he did cut me normally the next game. Is it it's a like, judge call though? I mean, I uh, guess you're wasting time. It's a, from I don't know. Allegedly, from what what they said, it's um, it's not allowed, which makes sense because you could easily manipulate your opponent's deck if yeah you had noticed something with their sleeves, right? If you that slide a hand master. Yeah. So it's speaking, funny. sneaky peek, and then you know the sneaky peek. Speaking of uh, speaking of your PPTQ, how would how did your week go, John? Uh, well, my week went good. So I was deciding if I want to play blue white, because uh, apparently the data says blue white is way better. Um, so I borrowed a bunch of cards, put blue white together, played it at FNM. Uh, the deck is fine. Terminus is super clunky. Uh, I didn't really like the deck very much. The deck plays a ton of cards that I just think are god awful magic cards, like, like it, Terminus, oh, Ancestral sure. Visions. Sure. Um, just yeah. I I can understand Terminus. I really really dislike Ancestral Vision. I'm not actually even that hot on Jace the Mind Sculptor, honestly. Um, mm, too slow. Part of part of that is like 
I just don't think it like, impacts the board, which is important because I've gone on about that before. And also, I feel like whenever I'm using Jace, I'm like not using him very well, which is really weird because I'm like very familiar with Brainstorm and Legacy. But in Modern, I always feel like I'm just not leveraging my Jace well enough. Yeah. Um, I find myself wanting to fade seal an awful lot because um, the problem yeah. is, is like I end up in a situation where I have a Jace active and I'm like, okay, I need to like kill them now because they're gonna like do things and stabilize because these decks don't play enough counter magic. Yeah, if you, uh, I feel like if you resolve a Jace, like, you're more worried about what your opponent rips off the top of their deck, because I feel like you probably already have a good handle on the rest of, of the stuff. That's, like, my big gripe of all these control decks in Modern right now, is they're so dense on removal, but, like, I feel like I'm actually just getting got by, like, like ETB effects, or, like, sure. like, stuff that removal can't deal with, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's been really frustrating, because I feel like I always have a pile of removal, and then I'm just, like, desperately digging for counter spells interesting so so yeah but anyways so uh yeah i played uh to a two one one finish i drew against the mirror lost to elves which was pretty tilting it was a uh, a guy who was like really new with the deck just picking it up uh he turned three to me game one so that was pretty nice. cool luck. beginner's luck man uh and then i like did blue eye things game two and then game three i like just couldn't get there Mm. He actually misplayed really bad, and I still lost the game, which is pretty unfortunate. He, like, let his board get wiped by a Supreme Verdict when he had Elvish Arch Druid and uh, Azuri in play, and he could have, like, regenerated everything, and he just let his whole board die. And he just built a new board, and I played a Jace, put a Terminus on top, and just died to his new board, plus more Lords <laughs> off the top. So I was like, yeah, I couldn't find a path, I couldn't couldn't buy a Path to Exile that match, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wow. So your elves opponent just needed to be as lucky as mine. Um, he cast Electric Company with like 12 lands in play because he got settled, snap settled <laughs> earlier in the game. And he bricked on his company. Wow. Wow. Excellent. That's great. That's just <laughs> Trace Trace Ian right there. Uh, so anyways, so I was like... I, and then I jammed a bunch of games against... Um, uh, scape shift. Uh, the blue white guy from earlier also had scape shift. Uh, mm-hmm. and at the end of the night, he was just still there, and he was very accommodating and played a bunch of games against me, which was nice. Um, it just let me like get more games in with the deck, and I just didn't really like the deck. I think I actually was. I think I was. I think the match was pretty favored for blue white, but um, I just didn't like the deck. I, I felt like I wanted the the removal, the burn, and I don't know. This wasn't wasn't liking the deck very much. So I ran back Jeskai at the PPTQ. Um, I won. So I, I got the buy round one, and then we had a repair. <laughs> so I didn't get the buy. <laughs> so that felt bad. I was sad. It was very sad. Got placed into the mirror. Uh, was a guy that's been at all the local PPTQs. We've been chatting a bit uh, about the deck, you know, sharing our thoughts and, you know, friending each other on Facebook, yada, yada, yada. So we both knew it was the mirror. Uh, I won 2-0. Um, a little bit of luck, and I'm just feeling very comfortable with the mirror at this point. Um, he's a pretty good player, but uh, I, I think I was like pick, pick my points to engage pretty well, and I probably had a little bit better draws over the course of the match than he did. Um, it was pretty close, but uh, I got got it two zero, um, and then I played against KCI the second round, and we were like one of the last matches going. Um, I lost game one. No, I'm sorry, I won game one. I won game one. In the game two, um, I surgicaled his scrap trawlers, and I ended up losing. He put defense grid into double gear per aether grid, and I just kind of got blood out of her a couple turns before I could find, you know, 
know, like something to gain life with. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of unfortunate. Um, and then the next game, I had a terrible seven. I mold into a six that had one land of visions, a rest in peace. It was, uh, it was damping sphere, rest in peace, surgical extraction, negate land serum visions. I think. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find lands for a couple turns. Eventually, just had to play like a snapcaster. It's just like an ambush viper, which yeah. was keeping his scrap shower from attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have like the the luxury to like actually flash it in for a block and then surgical again and i just lost to like him doing things and me not having mana to interact which was pretty unfortunate um i never had an opportunity to just like jam the rest of beast into play um he always had like mana up for um natural state i think i mm. needed i think i ended up surgically at some point and knew it was in his hand i think is what happened so i just like never got a chance to stick it and protect it because i didn't have the mana available so i lost um, then I lost to Jund, uh, the guy that was like manipulating the top of my deck, not like shadily, but just trying to help me. I think uh, I just lost a pile of Bloodbred Elves. Uh, then I not shady, s- just trying to tilt me. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I played the mirror again, uh, and my opponent was at O three at this point, and um, it's pretty funny. He was like. Um, oh hey you know i'm at a prize and you can still get prize so i'll you know basically just like scoop to you he didn't like say scoop but he's just like basically said he'd scoop to me but he didn't say scoop if that makes sense um and i think he forgot so we played really long drawn out match this is another guy that i've been seeing in all the pbdqs um and we uh, i ended up losing uh, i got stuck on lands the last game he had like way way more lands than me and i ended up losing um, I had like all the right interaction points and cards I wanted to like I knew where I wanted to pick my fights I knew what cards I just was always way shorter on mana so I just couldn't actually like get any traction um, and he just like signed the slip as it actually was and I was like oh I guess he forgot and I wasn't gonna be like hey you said you were gonna scoop to me like whatever so that was kind of awkward <laughs> but whatever whatever um, but so that round the bottom four players at the event were me my just guy opponent the just guy guy that I had played against earlier and a Tron player who would uh, apparently mold to like five every single game the whole day, so, so yeah, all the gen or all the Jeskai players were at the very bottom of the bracket. Wow, um, so that was cool. Wow. Then huh. I beat elves and dropped because people wanted to go get beer, and beer seemed better than playing round six for no prize. No prize. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that kind of leads us in, I guess, to what you wanted to talk about, which was my thoughts on deck selection for the. PPTQ meta or local Moving meta forward. Yeah, but yeah. before we hop into that, let's uh, let's take a quick look at these uh, standard GPs. Yeah, definitely. Get, knock these out of the way. Uh, I'm just going to go over the top four because I feel like while there is a new deck in the format, um, it's not as exciting as everybody would love it to be. Um, in Brussels, we have Esper Control in order. Bre- Esper Control, mostly red aggro. I like that. <laughs> mostly red. Uh, Soul Tight, mid range, and Turbo Fog. So, uh, Turbo Fog is this deck ha- that has uh, kind of surfaced since the Pro Tour. Um, it is a combination of. So, it's uh, Bant Colors. It's playing Teferis, Karns, uh, sometimes Nissas. Uh, the the Nissa, uh, Steward of Elements, and then it's also playing cards like uh, Nexus of Fate. Some of them are playing uh, Karn's Sundering 
Carden's what is temporal it? sundering. Tem- temporal, temporal sundering. sundering. Uh, and then, and then just you know, haze of pollen, glimmer of genius, spring to mind. Just trying to fog away everything. Oath of Teferi as well in this list specifically. Um, this deck looks cool, but it also it's 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 a little late to the party. Uh, these cards have been out for a little while, so I don't understand why now. Why I'm, this deck is making certain like this showing now. Um, I really wish this deck had won the PT so that Haze of Pollen would be a PT winning card. That'd be fantastic. I, I would love really, that. Really <laughs> oh, then it would be in the uh, the cube, right? The Pro Tour cube? Yeah, yeah the Pro Tour cube would have Haze of Pollen <laughs> in it. Just two mana, cycler. Cycle for three. Uh, and so yeah. Nissa Steward of Elements. Mm. So, yeah, so this this uh, this list is, is interesting. I think, the, I think the card that kind of pulls this whole deck together is Nexus of Fate, really. Um, being able to to take another turn, have infinite amount of Nexus of Fates in your deck, um, as long as they don't get countered. Seems great. I mean, you say uh, this deck, the cards have been out forever, yet Nexus of Fate is an M19 card. Right, so, I guess so. So I mean, since, like, M- M- since, <laughs> since the release of M19, which was about a month ago now? What's really dumb to me, is though, is that Nexus of Fate is the, what, buy a box promo? Right. Yeah. Right you now. can only obtain one if you buy a box and get this promo, other than buying the secondary market. And it's a playable card standard, apparently. I feel like and, this is ridiculous. And and to top it off, Wizards had already announced that Nexus of Fate is no longer in print. It doesn't have any more print runs scheduled, nor is it currently being printed anymore. So the ones that are out there in the world, they're out there. That's it. There's going to be no more of this card supposedly going to be printed. Granted, you have supplemental uh, products that they could print this into. You could also print this into the next, into Ravnica if you wanted to, uh, or into the next. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, is they've really made it so that this really, really good card in standard is gonna always have this premium price, and will probably. I wouldn't be surprised if it would. It's if it would see a doubling, if it makes it into um, the next pro tour. Also, speaking of the pro tour, uh, players, many players who played this card at the pro tour had to receive uh, proxies from judges because of the foil warping issue. That's and that's another thing. It's just uh... like uh, Kess from the Legacy GP we had mm-hmm. earlier this year in Seattle. There are no, there are no copies of this. In, uh, there are no non-foil copies of this card. So yeah, everybody who is playing it had to have a Nexus of Fate token uh, proxy in their deck, which is hilarious. Kind of, a, a, I feel like kind of a punt on Wizards' part. Um, so not only can you not obtain them because they don't print them anymore, you can't play them either because they work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, see, I mean, I see this card. You know, if, if we're talking about value and standard this is the highest currently the the card that holds the highest number in, in standard only by like a few dollars under over to fairy they just um, need to ban this shit from standard honestly like yeah that will fix their problem and yep. then hopefully they'll learn from their mistake and not make it yep. again but uh it, essentially moving forward if this mistakes, if this card so. becomes a uh, tier one into a, you know if you're just playing blue you're playing next to fate then this card will easily see a hundred dollars uh, just because it's no longer in a print run, um, but I guess only time will tell. 
<clears throat> and then uh, just a quick look at this mostly red aggro list. The only reason it says mostly red is because cut to ribbons is in the sideboard. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the only reason it says mostly red. It's playing four dragon skull summits, and that's the only black uh, hey, black mana source. Scrap heap scrounger, sir. Sure, and scrap heap scrounger. That's the real reason. It's color identity is black. That card is actually like a very real reason to be in black. That card is extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, those mono red things. It looks like a mono red deck. Um, there's not much to talk about it, honestly. <laughs> uh, Speaking of mono red, there's also this mono red wizards deck over here. But uh, I last I checked, Goblin Chain Ruler is not a wizard. No, no, it is not. Honorary wizard. He got his diploma granted <laughs> onto him. Uh, and then let's take a look at the top four of GP Orlando. It is blue-white approach, mono-red wizard, Grixis midrange, and Esper control. Um, something pretty, something that I noticed just quickly is that um, it looks like there are a few more aggro decks in Brussels than there were in Orlando. Whereas Orlando, I feel like, is kind of uh, swamped with uh, ha, ha. with <laughs> with all these control decks um, that are running black. Ha ha. Um, Esper Control is, uh, I think, solid choice. Grixis Midrange is also a solid choice. And Blue-White Approach is, you know, the classic Blue-White deck that we've been seeing throughout Standard for the past couple months. Still <clears throat> finding space for that one of Hieroglyphic Illumination, I see. Uh, yes. Uh, the Esper list is running White, Forta Fairy... Forsake the worldly, settle the wreckage, and one fumigate. Also, some a pair of sealaways, and then the Grixis deck. It looks a lot like the Grixis decks we saw, we've seen these these past couple months with the addition of Liliana's Death's Majesty. Assuming it's just a good uh, token generator. Uh, Planeswalkers that generate tokens usually do pretty well in standard. C uh, Gideon, four mana Gideon. Um. Death Majesty can also like reanimate a Scarab God, although yeah. it comes back to your hand anyway. Or you know reanimate or, your Nickel Bolus. Yeah, a, a dead a dead Bolus. Or reanimate a Gear Hulk to flashback something else. I don't know. Like, Nickel Bolus is a minus very three has some card. some uh, some utility here. Nickel Bolus seems like a very interesting card. I don't think Grixis Midrange is by far the best. I wouldn't. When I think of standard, I wouldn't consider Grixis mid-range among the best decks uh, in standard currently I think good pilots can take it pretty far um, which leaves me questioning as to why Nickel Bolas is like a 30 something $40 card because um, he's cool I guess <laughs> he's at the wagon I will like to point out as price wise uh, Scarab God is down to like 15, 16, 17 bucks something like that oh how the mighty have fallen yeah, that's about what I paid for mine, so. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's a quick look at those GPs. Uh, I, d I don't think, at, at this point, I'm, not that I'm bored of talking about Standard, but it's, I just feel like it's a little irrelevant with a new set lurking around the corner. Uh, so close. Um, we won't be really caring about Standard for a little while, especially during this modern PPTQ season. Um, speaking of modern PPTQ season, John, let's go back to that to that uh, Jeskai deck you were talking about. 
yeah well long so, story short yeah uh, I'm, I'm off it <laughs> yeah so so let's start with with why you picked the deck to begin with yeah so i think my my reasoning for um why i picked the deck originally has a lot to do with why i'm off the deck now and i think i've kind of altered my my thought process a little bit so um i liked just guy because it was a very um uh, a deck that had game against you know mostly everything uh, i felt like you had you could beat you know basically every deck um as long as they didn't have their crazy net draws you were you know pretty live to have a, a shot at winning the game and i like that um didn't like feeling like, like I was dead in the matchup. Wanted to, you know, have a little bit of agency over my uh, fate. The problem with that is, is while you do have game against most of the decks in the format, and while I have had a um, generally positive uh, win-loss ratio overall, um, you can't top eight like that unless you get really lucky. <laughs> um, so. Being slightly positive does not a top eight make. You need to go, you know, X one, X one one, to uh, to reliably top eight like Chris here. <laughs> so, like, even if your win rate is 65 percent, right? You're not making top eight of anything. Yeah, so it's great for like grinding on Moto. Uh, if you're, you know, just your goal is to like, you know, accrue value. Um, but um, I realized that my uh, my chances of uh, top hitting really low with the deck because the thing is, is you don't actually have any really, really free wins with Jessica. Like the closest thing you get to a free win is like playing against affinity or humans and just like having infinite removal and just killing everything they do but for example I played against a Tron player who molded to three and we actually had a pretty close game <laughs> um, like I could have I could have easily lost I had to cryptic command back counter draw i think with a cryptic commands like I, I cryptic commanded this thing like four times i think with snapcasters involved and i was just getting like you know stone rained every time like yeah one breaker's pretty gross like cast triggers are pretty gross yeah so like that gives you an idea my opponent got to the point where he was like you know casting world breakers over and over like yeah so that was off a three card hand for them and it wasn't even a particularly good three card hand the deck just doesn't you know you don't you don't have free wins you don't close very quickly yeah um, that's gross so what i realized is if you're playing you know one of these decks that has much more polarized matchups you know these 70 30 decks so to speak you're you just have to play the like, the matchup like, lottery. like like amulet yeah so <laughs> You're playing. You're playing the matchup lottery, and the thing is, is you don't have to win the lottery every time. You just have to win it most of the en time. Enough. 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 Right. Enough. So, to top it, yeah. So think about it this way: with Jeskai, you're you're you know rolling your your fifty five forty five matchup, you know, a bunch of times throughout the day. You know, your odds of coming out, you know, you're going to come out probably with a pretty even record. But with your seventy thirty deck, like it's pretty easy to just like you know roll you know three pretty free wins during the mm -hmm. day and maybe you you know fight you know have a hard fight and like two more and then you gotta draw in and you're there like <laughs> yeah so um I mean, it's kind of happened to me right like not that, yeah i got these pretty free wins against well actually that's not really true i got pretty against two com uh, combo decks which was i somehow managed to win but then um got hit with like the ponza hammer mm -hmm. you know ran into some bad variants there and then kind of just rallied off anyway yeah, so the, the reality is, like, 
you just you know you have to be more lucky than than unlucky i guess because you have you have these like very powerful um hands that you can play with these these other decks whereas just case you know powerful hands are still reactive slow um and i, I noticed that, you know like humans has been top eighting a ton the deck is still just really good um tron is doing really well in our meta we have like two human players two tron players and almost every top eight and then a smattering of other decks maybe a blue white deck um yeah, maybe an infinity deck uh one of the graveyard decks but um the mid-range decks which we have quite a few if we got a lot of people on jessica a lot of people on jund a decent amount of people on blue white um mardu yada 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 they're not top eighting like they're just not like they're doing well you know they're mm -hmm. you know floating around you know with decent records they're definitely making you know top 16 top 24 whatever they're pricing pretty reliably pricing but they're not top eighting um and like this last one we had uh ivan uh, top eighted with uh Eldrazi Stompy splashing black, right? Like, very polarizing deck. Like, you get your really strong Thought Not, Chalice of the Void hands. He splashed mm -hmm. black for um, uh, the uh, Wasteland, Strangler, Wasteland Strangler. Yeah. So, just doing like really powerful things with like a little bit more interaction, right? Um, and like these Tron decks are just super powerful. Like, they just beat people over the head. The humans deck just run people over because they're, you know, just very hateful towards you trying to interact with them. And they have yeah. a really fast clock and the, the the situation i think is basically that yeah you can just keep like trying to like spin the wheels on on control and you know uh, maybe you get you know your wins but you gotta really fight for every single win your odds of you know winning uh, you know rattling up a bunch in a row are not very high and um i just want to play a deck you know i want to top eight like i want to top eight i want to win like that's my goal for the season and um i think playing something like humans is going to give me a lot better odds because i just have to not get got a couple times and i'm like pretty you know pretty likely to do uh well and get to the top of the event and i think like with with these decks like the first round or two is like really critical mm -hmm. um you really need to win your first round or two so you can kind of buoy your way to the top of the event that way if you catch your loss later you can still draw in because um, that yeah. draw is also like a free win right yeah so that's like you, you need to float the top of the event get your free drawn and then you just have to you know play tight get a little lucky and win you know three more matches mm -hmm. so that's kind of where i'm at unfortunately i really like just guy and like i was talking about how i wanted to be you saw my kind of my thought process that we've gone through the weeks i moved away from these more flexible answers and i moved into these hammers right i wanted to play more rest in peace more angels um i put a, you know a crumble of dust in my sideboard for tron and like they were good like I was happy I made those changes. I thought the deck was better. I thought I was better positioned. But, like, I, you know, I played against a lot of other fair decks. And then when I played against the unfair decks, I got a little unlucky. We, you know, always went to game three. Things didn't quite break my way. Um, and, I, you know, you just, even though, like, the deck had more hammers in it, the deck itself wasn't a hammer. Like, yeah. The, you know, the deck is an anvil. I want to play a hammer. I want to play a hammer deck and, you know, force my opponents to, to deal with what they're doing. And I think, like, I've had access to humans the whole season. I've, you know, familiar playing Death and Taxes style decks in the past, so it's not, like, completely foreign to me playing these Aether Vile decks. I'm pretty familiar. I just really hate playing decks where you don't get to control the top of your deck. Um, that's, like, something I'm pretty averse to as a player. And I think I just need to embrace it moving forward and just... I mean, trust in the fact that the deck is, like, clearly at the top of the format. Like, it's winning stuff, even though people have been, you know, pretty effectively trying to play against it and counterplay for months now. Yeah. The deck still <clears throat> floats to the top. That has been one of my problems when I played humans, though. 
was uh, just drawing like four Aether Vials in the same game, and you just yeah. kind of question like, why am I playing this deck? That's like that's your variance, right? Instead of like <clears throat> you're playing instead of playing the Magic Lottery, you're just uh, or maybe not playing the Magic Lottery, but instead of like with just guy, you know, you're playing this other game where you're counting more on the top of your deck. Yeah, and I think I think with the with the printing of uh, Bugler, I think that that problem isn't solved in the deck, but I think it is a little bit better. It's a little bit. I, uh, I was like a little bit. It's, it's, it's marginal. I was reading an article Ari Lags put out. Uh, it was either today or yesterday. And he was talking about how Ballista does not actually solve the problems the deck had, mm-hmm. which is better than like what they were doing already. But it doesn't actually like fix because like the two three body isn't like isn't really doing is much, it, right. Yeah, it's, isn't amazing. It's, it's just a body. Yeah, but. Uh, it is helping you dig towards your more powerful cards. That's like that's where the power comes. Is if you want, you know, the reason like you're playing these really powerful cards and you want to multiply the amount of copies you have, right? Like you have your your Thalias, you have your meddling mages. So you're playing these phantasmal mages. So you can you know eight effective copies. Bugler yeah, is like, like letting you get to those cards more reliably. But the people talking about how oh you just get to like flood the board of body Bugler into Bugler into Bugler, like that's still gonna lose to like the decks that were like trying to kill all your crap like just guy in general a lot of the time anyways like you're probably not getting him just because you had an extra two three body you're getting him because you like found a one of your like haymaker cards right yeah so i mean it definitely helps mitigate the one for winning your opponent's doing right yeah yeah because uh, uh humans is you know not a deck that's known for its card advantage abilities <laughs> no it's um, uh, it's like a classic burn deck right like the cards they can't cast that they have stuck in their hand at the end of the game when they die that's your card advantage right but you get to kind of cheat a little bit with middling mage you can have them have cards strand in their hand before they're dead <laughs> exactly but um you mentioned like you just find more copies of the powerful cards so, yeah so I think there's so many games against humans where you're just thinking like wow I hope they don't have a lieutenant here otherwise I just get destroyed yeah. well with um phantasmal images and buglers the number of uh lieutenants they can draw is much more so that you know can't, can't really ignore that no, definitely. Aspect. i mean it's definitely like a good card it's so, just i think people were like saying it was like the second coming of like you know humans uh boot heels on the, the throat of the format and it's like well it's good it's better but i don't think it's like as berserk yeah as it's it's not insane it's so good. so with uh with that in mind why hasn't why do you guys think the deck hasn't like shifted into like a coco style deck or a co- or a collected company or sorry or a court of calling uh or a, a court of calling deck. what was that a toolbox deck yeah so why hasn't it shifted more into that kind of toolbox deck instead of oh instead of what it is now just being that all creatures all the time trying to be as aggressive as possible um i think because it's not as uh as cohesive of a game plan as the synergistic is just playing more humans right and you lose the benefits that you get from Cavern of Souls and Aether Vial by doing that. Like, by mm. casting real spells, you open yourself up to counter magic. The deck is pretty opaque to counter magic yeah. right now. So, that's nice. Like, that's like when you're playing on, you know, Jeskai or whatever, you, like, side out all your logic nods and crap like that. Because they're just not doing anything most of the time. And so, like, now you just have to beat the removal spells instead of, like, you're, you're, you're taking, you know, a portion of their deck away against these control decks. Which are, sure. you know, technically supposed to be unfavored matchups. Um, and like Coco does let you like play at instant speed, but so does Vile. And like four mana, I don't know because like how often Chris, when you're playing humans, like you just kind of like dump out your hand, right? Like Coco, you can't actually play until turn three or turn four. Uh, another big thing is 
you can't play Ziggurat if you're playing these spells. That's true. Ziggurat is a huge add. Uh, my my take on it is why why you don't play, especially something like Court of Calling. Um, humans does not have access to ton of mana. bullets as good as other toolbox decks. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. That makes like sense. the the humans you're gonna go find are what like Holly's Lieutenant, that meddling mage. Like like spending five mana. To go get a melee mage doesn't seem very good. Yeah. At You're all. usually spending like two mana and tapping three guys, which means three guys aren't attacking either. Like which is which is in that deck is 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 yeah. not good whatsoever. You're turning off the beads. See, like you're you're kind of a, in some ways you're a tempo deck. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you have these kind of bears that are incidentally good, like Freebooters and Thalia and um Melling Mage. They just they, they beat down while slowing down your opponent's game plan. But if you're going out of your way to go find, hey, like, bullets, you're slowing down your game plan a lot. Mm-hmm. And the bullets that you're finding that are humans, I don't feel are good enough to warrant slowing down your game plan. Yeah, I agree. You're losing one of velocity by doing something like that. Adding more dead draws to your deck. You're hurting your mana, too. It's just way too many negatives. This is probably why. Mm-hmm. People did try it. Like, they're... Uh, I think Jerry T tried a version with Coco a while back, but mm-hmm. they, they, they tweaked the mana base pretty significantly, and I, yeah. I just don't think that's where you want to be. They, I think they gave up on it. So. Yeah. Because I think the thing with Coco is the typical um, decks that play Coco kind of pile on the three the drops, three drops right? yeah. And Humans has a lot of non-three drops. Granted, their three drops are very good, right? Mantis Rider is very good. Vector Mage is very good. Um, Bugler is pretty good, too. But... When you're new company and you just find like, you know, a noble hierarch and, you know, even like a, a champion of the parish on turn four, like or like a it's second pretty Thalia. anemic. Yeah. Yeah, second Thalia is just a brick basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, those are yeah, those are all all very uh, very valid reasons as to why you wouldn't go that spell based route. Because in, in other draws, without like with Vile instead, you might just be attacking for lethal on turn four. But instead of attacking for a large amount of damage, you're sitting around hoping that the top two creatures are are going to be well good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Uh, moving on to our final segment, slide of the week, where we tell you what card we are totally happy to put in our seventy-five. John, let's start with you. My card of the week is Mantis Rider because it's Inhumans. I like it. And I have four signed copies. <laughs> Good enough reason for me. So yep. excited. So excited. I do like that card a lot, though. It's sweet. I like. I liked it so much. I've played it in decks that aren't humans. You uh, know. You know. I've, is this uh, gonna be the first time you're playing the human deck, actually? Uh, other than online, yes. I've tested it on Cockatrice. Mm. You know, I Mantis Rider is. <laughs> I feel like Mantis Rider is is like uh is kind of like how how tron always has it whenever i'm playing against humans or like like for example when i played against humans with jund i thought seized and saw mantis rider but i was like oh he only has two lands what are the odds he hits his third land and sure enough 100 <laughs> 100 he just untaps plays land plays mantis rider i'm like okay i guess i should have taken mantis rider whatever stupid card the, the um, real deal always gets you is like you're thinking about it, and you're like, hmm, well, I can attack him down, 
he's gonna be dead next turn, he has no cards in hand, but I'm a three life, like, literally only Mantis Rider gets me, and there's like, oh look, a Mantis Rider. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah, tilt, that's tilt, cool. Tilt, 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 tilt. I, I had to pick up some more dice, as uh, people that play with me know, I usually just pull out two dice for my, uh, my gameplay, you know, one for going yeah. on top of the deck. That one is for not on enough thing. dice. I, I require many additional dice. If I'm many, many events. more dice. Yes, so I'll have to source some additional dice. You require additional dice. Uh, Chris, how about you? What's your salt of the week? Well, uh, I'm still in the mood of playing some jank, so <laughs> um, it, we might go ahead and revisit an old, 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 old brew that me and John were trying to, trying to make work, desperately trying to make work. Um, and that is a Blood Sun deck. <laughs> Prodigal Sun Returns. Uh, it might be just Illusions of Grandeur, but I really want this this deck to be to be good. Blood Sun just seems so sweet, um, theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> so hopefully we can we can have at least one sweet story yeah. for, uh, for next week's cast. I'm excited. And. What is your slot of the week going to be, Stephen? Uh, my slot of the week is uh, going to be Walking Ballista. I know we put uh, an embargo on on Affinity cards, but I will be playing it in Amulet when I sleeve up Amulet for next week's uh, modern tournament. Hopefully sometime in the next couple weeks I'll be able to go to a PPTQ where I'm actually planning to take Amulet because there are no Blood Moons in my meta currently. Excellent. Yeah. So that about brings us to our end of the cast. Thank you for checking us out and sticking around to the very end. If you're wondering where you can find more content, you can head over to mtgconflicts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube under the same name, MTG Conflicts. And if you have any suggestions or comments that you'd like us to read, please feel free to message us on one of those platforms. Again, we really do appreciate you sticking around to the very end, and we hope you'll join us in the next one. Later. Later.